this morning, I want us to continue our series at the feet of Jesus. And when I first started playing with the idea of this series, what I did was just go through uh, the Gospels and I looked for times when people were literally at the feet of Jesus. And I wanted to see what we can learn from the experiences of those people whose lives were changed at his feet. And I came across this passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew chapter 15, there are all these people who are bringing sick folk and putting these sick folk at the feet of Jesus. And of course, Jesus heals them all. And as I was looking at that story, I wanted to preach that story. I wanted to share that story with you because lives are changed at the feet of Jesus. But then I got to thinking, when we look at the story and everybody who shows up is healed, how do I then address the fact that mom's cancer wasn't healed? How do I address the fact that my friend's addiction hasn't been healed. How do we deal with the reality that while we serve an awesome and mighty God who is the great physician and all things are possible and he is completely capable of healing anyone, any time of anything, you and I both know that there are times when that healing doesn't come at the time or in the way that we can understand it. And so I really wrestled with this because what I'd like to do, what I'd like to do is have a pep rally and come in and say, look, they came to his feet and they were healed. If you'll come to his feet, you'll be healed. Well, that's what I'd like to preach but I have to stand before you with integrity and I have to wrestle with some of those things. And so as we go into Matthew chapter 15, I want you to read it with the, with the power that's there and the excitement and the joy of those being healed by the great physician. But then I wanna, I wanna invite you to think with me through some of the things that I wrestled with as we look at the story together. Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 29. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. They put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw that the, the mute speaking and the crippled healthy and the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. What an, what an amazing story. Jesus sits down on the ground and all these people just show up from everywhere and they're bringing people who need his healing touch. They put these people at his feet. That's an interesting Greek word, by the way, that still has me a little bit stumped when it says that they put these people at his feet. 
It's a word that means cast or throw. It's kind of like they bring these people in and here you go, you know. Uh, It's kind of an odd thing, but I think the word is used to show to show the, the um, enthusiasm by which they're bringing these people. They bring them and they cast them at his feet. They, they throw them toward Jesus. And because of his compassion, he heals them. And when he heals them, then all the people in that region recognize him for who he really is. And it says they glorify the God of Israel. And we're going to talk about that phrase in just a moment. But hang on to that because it's interesting that these are the people who glorify the God of Israel when they see Jesus healing all these people. Well, as I, as I looked through the story and I decided I did not want to be a health and wealth type preacher that promises if you jump through this hoop, then God has to jump through his hoop so you get health and wealth by doing the right things. That's, that's not biblical and you by now have figured out that's not the way life works. So what do we deal, what do we do with this text? I've learned three things that I want to share with you. The first thing that I've learned as I work through this text is that it's not just about healing, it's about the healer. This story, and by the way, the story that is your life, is not just about healing, it's about the healer. You see what happened here, they, um, he, he is just sitting on this mountain. Um, it's interesting where he is because Matthew didn't go into it a whole lot, but when you put the, the, this story in Matthew and you compare it to uh, the stories in Mark and Luke, you can kind of put together a timeline and you figure out where he is, is uh, this region, uh, the Decapolis. It's a region of 10, let's call them cities. And these 10 cities have come together so strong that they have formed kind of their own local government. They can even print their own money. The Roman government has allowed them to print their own money because they're such a powerful group, a powerful area. It is a Gentile area, which is interesting. And Jesus is in this area of the Gentiles. When it says that he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he goes up on a mountain and he sits down. And then they start bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and others. And what we realize is that they bring these folks to him and he heals them. When he heals them, the the reaction of the crowd is not just thank you for healing my baby, thank you for healing my father, thank you for healing my brother. The the reaction is, wow, this is a work of God. It says that they began to glorify God of Israel. You see, it's not just about the healing, it's about the healer. He was identifying himself by what he did that day. If we go back to the Old Testament Isaiah prophesies Messiah who will come. One of these days, God's going to send Messiah. And when Messiah gets here, these are the kinds of things that he's going to do. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. 
Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah said that's what's going to happen when Messiah gets here. And so Jesus is now doing the very things that Isaiah prophesied. The lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing. Thereby declaring to the world around him that he is God's Messiah. You may also remember at one point John the Baptist Remember, John the Baptist is the one who was baptizing, and Jesus came up, and John says, hey, everybody, stop, look, behold, the Lamb of God. John was the one who knew exactly who Jesus was. You might even argue that John knew who Jesus was before either of them were really born, because the Gospels say that John danced a little jig in his mama's belly when Mary shows up. John knew who Jesus was, and yet there was a time in John's life when things were going bad, he was in a bad situation, it was an awful experience, and he sends his disciples to Jesus, and he says, y'all go ask him and make sure that I'm right. Make sure he really is Messiah. And do you remember how Jesus responded to those messengers from John the Baptist? Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. In other words, Isaiah said these are the things that would happen, and John says, when you look, uh, Jesus says, when you look at my life, you see these things happening. Why? Because I am the one that Isaiah prophesied. I am Messiah. And it is on this mountain on this day that Jesus is declaring to the world, I am God's Messiah. Now what's so amazing is that this, was, this did not take place in a Jewish region. This took place in a Gentile region. He is declaring to the nations, to the world, I am God's Messiah. That's why the people responded like they did. They glorified the God of Israel. Why? Because they had not, they're not the people of God. They're not Israel. He was not their God yet. They glorify the God of Israel because even now the rest of the world, the nations, the Gentiles are being let in on the secret that this is God's Messiah. You see, when, when, God, when, when Jesus heals, when the Holy Spirit changes, when God the Father makes, uh, makes a move in our lives, it, it is not about the healing or the miracle. It is about the healer or the miracle worker. It's about an opportunity for us to share with others around us a chance to give God glory. And so one of the things we learn in the story is it's not just about the healing, it's about the healer. The second thing that I learned as I kind of wrestled through this text is that people come to him when they hear about him. 
People come to him when they hear about him. And the reason this is interesting is because it says this great crowd shows up. What did he do? He walked along the seaside. He went up on a mountain and he sat down on the side of this hill. And all of a sudden, all these people show up. How did they know where he was? How did they know who he was? Well, to find out some of that, we have to go to the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, we meet a man who was deaf and he couldn't speak clearly, probably couldn't speak well enough to be understood at all. And in that story, Jesus pulls him aside from the crowd and he heals his hearing and he loosens his tongue and the man now can hear and he can speak. And Jesus says to this man, and the crowd that was beginning to hear him speak, Jesus says to them, don't tell anyone. Don't tell them. Because Jesus had a certain timeline, there was a specific time when it would be right for him to reveal who he was. And that time had not yet come. So he told the folks in that area, y'all don't tell anybody, but you know what scripture says? Even though he said, keep the secret, they couldn't keep the secret. And they left and immediately told, I got to tell somebody. I know he told me not to, but this is too good to keep to myself. I got to tell somebody. And because he healed that, that one deaf guy who couldn't talk right, very soon after that, perhaps the next day, People are coming from all over the place to come find Jesus. If you could heal that dude that we've seen for, for years, not be able to hear and not be able to talk, if you could heal him, then I'll bet you you could heal my baby. And here they come. You see, people come to him when they hear about him. It was because of those who spread the word that, that Jesus can heal. That's what brought all the people to him. And in Romans chapter 10, we're reminded, how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? You're not going to trust in, in, in a God that you don't even believe in. How are you going to call on him in your time of need when you don't even believe in him? And then it says, and how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? You see, when we tell people, I can't promise you what God's going to do in your life, but I can tell you what he's done in my life. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Let me tell you. I can't wait to tell you what he's done in my life. Then what happens as we begin to share that good news with others, then they know that they can come. They can believe they can be healed and made whole. People come to him when they hear about him. I don't know what your, what your role in life is. Perhaps you, perhaps you uh, stay at home and take care of family. Perhaps you're a plumber. Perhaps you're a teacher. Maybe you're a, uh, I don't know, maybe you're a carpenter. I don't know. But I do know this, that if you are a child of God, regardless of what, who, who writes your paycheck, if you're a child of God, your purpose in life is to know him and make him known to others. That's why you're here. 
Your purpose in life is to know him and to make him known to others. They can't come unless we tell them how to find him. People come to him when they hear about him. And the third thing that really struck me on this story is that you can take someone to his feet. What struck me about the story is that I realized that the lame didn't come to Jesus on their own. Why? Because they couldn't. The blind didn't come to Jesus on their own because they couldn't. The story says very clearly that people were bringing the lame and the blind and the deaf and the cripple. People were bringing others to his feet. They couldn't have come on their own even if they wanted to. Now today we obviously can't find Jesus sitting on the side of a mountain somewhere. We can't physically see him, so we can't bring our friends and our loved ones in a physical way, but we can still bring someone to his feet, and the way we do that is through real prayer. And we bring someone to the feet of Jesus through prayer. Then we can bring to him those who suffer from temporary illness or terminal disease. We can bring someone with a broken leg or a broken heart. We can bring someone with a physical ailment, emotional problems, or mental illness. We can bring someone with, who's battling in a, in a spiritual warfare. We can bring them to his feet. And you say, well, I would bring them. But the person that I'm concerned about, John, you don't know this person. I would bring this person to Jesus' feet, but this person won't come. And I can say to you that since we're talking about prayer, they don't really have a say in it. There was, uh, there was a guy who was in the hospital, and he really wasn't doing that well. Um, and I went to see him. And I asked a question that I have probably asked. I've been visiting hospitals for uh, over 30 years in different roles. And I've asked this question hundreds of times. I asked him, can I pray with you before I go? And out of the hundreds of times I've asked that question, this is the only guy who said, nope. And he was just kind of a gruff guy. He's just kind of rough. He wasn't, if he had faith, he didn't have much faith. His wife had the faith in the family. She was the connection to the church. This guy's just kind of rough, stubborn. Might even call him mean at times. And so I had visited him with him for, for some time. I said, can I pray with you? He said, nope. I said, that's fine. If I can't pray with you, I'll pray for you. And we left as friends, and I walked down the hallway praying for him. And what I realized is that if, if we, we, we're talking about prayer, we can bring people to his feet even if they would not come on their own. These folks couldn't have come on their own and because they had friends and loved ones who cared, those friends and loved ones brought them to his feet. I want to be real careful 
as we talk about the miraculous healings and bringing someone else to his feet. I believe the great physician still does miracles. I believe that no one you love has any problem that is bigger than the power of God. But I also know that he does not always heal the way we hope he would. He is not a genie in a bottle where you get that bottle and you rub it just right. You say just the right words in your prayer and he's got to jump out and grant you your wish. Nor is he God in a box that we can put on a shelf until, we're until it's time to be entertained or to play or to get something and we bring it out and we wind him up and he's got to pop up and answer our desire. He's not a God in a box. He's not a cosmic Santa Claus who is there just waiting to grant every wish we ask. You see, one of the problems with that kind of thinking and that theology is that that puts us above God. We can put him in a box and now all of a sudden, God, you have to do what I say. Since you've promised it, now you have to do it. And so I'm telling you that I want you to heal this person. All of a sudden, we now have more authority than God does, and that can't happen. So we have to be really careful how we pray and what we expect. I'm reminded of Paul, who had some kind of physical ailment. We don't know exactly what it was. He described it as a thorn in the flesh. Now we know it was more than that because he could have pulled a thorn out. It was just, that, was, that was just the way he was saying. He had some kind of physical ailment. And he prayed for that physical ailment to be taken away multiple times. And God chose not to for very specific reasons. And so we're, I, I'm not saying to you that you can call on the great physician as a genie in a bottle. This story is not a promise that if you bring someone to his feet, he will heal them immediately. He did it that way on that day because he was demonstrating that he was indeed the Messiah who had come to bring glory to God the Father. I can't promise that your loved one will be healed when and how you're hoping for, but I can promise you this. I promise you that if you never bring them to his feet, you will never know what a difference he might have made in their lives. And so, we come in faith, we come in hope, we come pleading. And when the healing doesn't come, we return to his feet with faith, and hope, and we plead some more. And if healing doesn't come, we return to his feet with faith and hope, and we plead some more. Another misunderstanding that you will hear from time to time from well-meaning people is that if you have enough faith, you should only pray for something one time, and then Stop praying for it because that shows a lack of faith if you keep on. That's a teaching that's out there. Ignore that teaching. It is not biblical and it's dangerous. Because what the Bible says is you keep on asking. You keep on knocking. You keep on seeking. That's where we find power. Jesus even told a, a parable about a lady who needed a judge's attention 
And she just kept knocking, kept knocking, kept knocking. Judge finally says, lady, hush, I'm trying to sleep. And she keeps knocking and knocking until she gets his attention. Jesus told the parable to say to us, you keep on. You bring those people to his feet. If they wouldn't come on their own, you bring them in prayer. You bring them to his feet because the healer is still healing in order that he might bring glory to the God of Israel.